Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, uh, the Little River Band, LRB, as some uh, call them, the greatest band in the history of rock and roll and slow, sumptuous pop um reminiscing because you and i today my friend are reminiscing 99 episodes in the book after today although this one not quite in the book yet but uh we're trending in that direction how does it feel to be 99 episodes young i tell you what buddy it's hard it's actually hard to believe that this is our 99th time doing this and that the next time we do it we're going to click over into triple digits Uh, but you know what i wouldn't want to do it with anyone else no, that's true. That's true. You and I are um, like peanut butter and chocolate. This is episode 99 of IP Frequently, the number one business podcast in these here United States. Um, I don't want to say free United States because they may not be free anymore. Uh, but who is free? Who is free? Um, we're very excited to be here live. And next week, next week, Brad, as you say, we click over to episode 100. We shake the Etch-A-Sketch and we enter the world of the uh, cable radio network family of companies. Yeah, hard not to be excited about that. I mean, we'll see how it works out. I mean, we've done you know fine as a podcast, certainly better than anyone thought we would to include the two of us. And so that's that the podcast thing is working about as well as we could hope it would. And we'll see how we play on the proverbial radio. Yeah, Brad, look, we, we are the number one business podcast in existence. We provide key advice that people can't get anywhere else, anywhere else. Uh, We certainly talk about things that nobody else is talking about. And some people are afraid to talk about. So that's the reason the CRN people called us up to the big leagues. That's the reason that we're playing with um, some of these significant hosts. That's what the reason they've given us such a prime weekly slot. But, but for those of you who are worried and you're hearing this, you're saying, well, wait a minute, what about IP frequently the podcast? What happens to us? What happens to the loyal listeners in the Ukraine? In, um, in, in, in Kabul, quite frankly, um, in uh, communist China, who rely on these two, two to give us you know, advice. What, 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 happens to, what happens to us? Brad, do you want to tell them? Buddy, I'm happy to tell them. The podcast is not changing. There's not, there's not going to be a lick of change to the podcast. You'll be able to get the podcast as you currently do on your local podcast outlets across the shortwave radio. However you currently grab it, 
you'll still be able to grab it. And unlike, you know, a significant number of folks uh, here in the United States, we have not forgotten about our friends in Kabul and it'll be available there as well. Yeah, there, there'll be download availability, upload availability. We'll be sending out LPs, cassette tapes, eight track, those Sony disc players, everything, everything is on the table. And that's why everyone's so excited. Some of them are in hiding because they're living in um, countries where they're very repressed and oppressed. Um, but uh, they're still listening and they still want to hear. They want to hear about IPedia. They want to hear about time travel. They want to know how they can win um, awards like we do across the board. And quite frankly, they want to have their patents signed by one L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, buddy, I'm happy to do it. And, and obviously there are people in the world today who are really hoping that uh, time travel would be actually available for them. A lot of folks would like to go back at least a month or so and perhaps leave the place they are before the U.S. government abandons them. And you, you know what? We'll, we'll do what we can. No promises, but we'll do what we can. Yeah, and I did a little bit of um, mathematics, right? Because I, this is a big episode. The, the audience here, everyone is dressed up. People in tuxedos. There are um, Brioni suits. There's one guy in the back who's dressed full on as what appears to be a, uh, a, a, a puppy dog, puppy dog suit. But that's, that's to be expected because this is exciting. We've had 99 shows. Uh, by my count, thousands of segments, thousands. We've got one bronze Stevie Award to show for this, and that's our pride and joy. Um, six uh, equestrian cease and desist orders, tens to hundreds of thousands of listeners, again, some of whom uh, can come out of the caves and, and actually rejoice with us. 16 state fairs, um, and then remotes in, uh, in island settings. Brad, what, what stands out to you as the most exciting part of the last uh, 99 uh, episodes? Uh, probably the festivals stand out most to me. We had blueberry, we had clam. Uh, I can't remember some of the other ones that we went to. I think there was a stamp convention, folks that collect stamps. That was yeah. very exciting. Uh, but yeah, I think I think just being out amongst the people is where you and I are most comfortable and belong, quite frankly. Yeah, and we, we learned we love clam pie. That's one thing that you didn't think. It's sort of an acquired taste, but you and I grew to grew to um to enjoy it i'll say my favorite episode was when we get back your um old uh, group from uh your navy days your your boxing team and uh they they got together and they told old war stories and um you know reminisced and uh that that was touching and the way you broke down at the end of that segment was uh was quite uh quite revealing i don't remember any of that but uh I'm, I'm sure at some point in these 99 episodes, all of that or something close to it probably happened. In a future episode, I think we should plan to go back and listen live to all 99 episodes. In one episode. In one episode. All right. Well, we'll certainly like have to time travel for that. Yeah. For the price. So when I also liked our guest episodes, like with Rob Clark, the uh, Very lone gunman. Yep. yep. Who I, somebody told me he disappeared from, the land of the podcast recently. So hopefully nothing has happened to him and hopefully he'll check in with us once we're over to CRN radio. He, he may already be over there as a host. Yeah. He, he well could, but not using his real name, of course. Yeah, no, he can't. He can't. I mean, like, like Harvey Lee Oswald or something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Brad, let's, should we just dive right in? Because that's what the people pay to see, not us reminiscing about you boxing in the Navy. No, that's certainly true. So we've got our first segment, our, our most important segment 
Um, some would say it's not that important at all, but I would say it's pretty important newsreel where you go in to a little coin operated movie theater, you put a coin in the, the, the screen comes up and suddenly in front of you appearing for the first time is a, uh, is a reel of film about a particular news story of the day. Yeah. So it's fascinating. It, 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 it seems to be the first story we've got here for you, a trimmed down, trimmed down Kim Young Un uh, showed up in downtown, um, uh, Pyongyang. Have you been to Pyongyang? Ah, downtown Pyongyang. Looks beautiful. The lights, the pageantry. It's, a, it's the city that never sleeps, my friend. It looks very exciting. He is. He looks like he's lost about 100 pounds, and he is uh, reviewing the troops. Yeah, well, good for him. Good I think for they're him. about I to mean, make a move on South Korea with uh, the weak U.S. president in place. But in any event, he uh, was reviewing the troops, and at one point he had tens of thousands of troops in front of him in these orange hazmat suits, right? With the masks on and, and, and everything, just, just marching through the streets of Pyongyang. I mean, it looks like a great, uh, a great time. And I'm not sure what they're getting ready for, but uh, count me in. I mean, it looks like a, a great group. Uh, they look well-trained and, um, you know, I, I don't see anything that could go wrong here. No, I mean, look, the, the North Koreans are nothing if not a bunch of fun guys. They love a parade. They love, you know, some nice military equipment. They like jack boots. I mean, what's to complain about? Yeah, I mean, and again, their their citizens appear to be happy. The ones that you can you can you you can, you can hear from. And again, the, the 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 level of detail at these rallies where you have all these people dressed up like they're going to come into your house and give you an insect. Um, treatment inside and outside and some sort of mosquito suppressant in your backyard. Um, I mean, that's impressive. That's a, I, I don't see many world leaders pulling that off. No. Well, I mean, you, you know, like you say, it takes a ton of preparation. It takes a ton of fear and oppression and fake enthusiasm. But if you can get all those things together, then my friend, you get yourself what you got in North Korea and damn, if they don't wear some big hats there, in their military hats, if winning a war depended upon the size of your lid, the North Koreans would be an impressive force. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they would be. I mean, the, the only um, you know who has a big hat and not, I don't want to get off track here, but that coach of, the, of your 49ers with that hat with the big lid. Oh, yeah, he what? does. He wears that What's flat that? brim hat. Yeah. Someone should knock that hat off his head. I'm yeah, not going to lie. Coach the fucking team. Coach yeah. the fucking. Yeah. And God help about you this year. I mean, we're going to get into, we're going to, Brad and I are going to pick every single NFL game from this season coming out. And last season. And last season. Yeah. yeah. And we were hoping to get more than 50% uh, off last season. So last year when we picked the year before, I think we well, were both around 42%. Which is odd, but we are going to do better this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about that. We're going to pick every game. So stay tuned for that. We may do that on the CRN network. I don't know at this point. I'm just yeah. not sure. Hard to say. Hard to say. It's very hard to say, but uh, we we will do it. Um, but North Korea is back. Very exciting news. Some big accomplishments for our uh, president. Also, elections coming up, Brad, in Germany, where it looks like uh, uh, Merkel is about to go down. Her, her party is about to go down in a parliamentary election. And then your boy up north, north of the border, who um, uh, has worn blackface before, also dressed as an Indian princess for Halloween a couple of years ago. Uh, Justine Trudeau, 
called an election about two months ago because he, he saw that his party was um, he thought that his party was very popular. Now it looks like he's behind by 10 points, which is just so great when you call an election a year early and uh, and he's about to have his ass handed to him. Yeah. Nothing better than that. The guy's a moron. And, you know, when you're a moron, you have a hard time with your strategic decision making. And he has shown that off right here for everyone to observe, my friend. It is great. Right. I mean, this is there's nothing better than an arrogant douche thinking he's got the a tiger by the tail, calling the election early. And then, as you so eloquently put it, having his ass handed to him on a silver platter. That'll be great. Maybe you and I should watch that live. Maybe we can live blog it. Canadian election. Yeah, I mean, that is going to be exciting. Obviously, you and I will be in the same location for that as we are for every Canadian uh, parliamentary um, election, going back to the um, um, prime ministry of uh, Mulholland. Yeah, well, that's the tunnel into New York. But in any event, we were we were there for that, too. Um, and, and look, the world, as you can see by North Korea, by the elections and a lot of our allies uh, going down in defeat or about to is in a good place. Um, we have some very nice critical analysis of the Afghanistan campaign um, by former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, uh, who came out and wrote an article analyzing President Biden's uh, strategy and execution in um, Afghanistan and, and calling it imbecilic uh, in a word. And I think he used that word several times in the uh, in the article. And that I, I think that's high praise for uh, President Biden No. Well, it's certainly high praise uh, for his administration. I mean, that's being called an imbecile is two or three steps above what most people have called him. And so I think he probably appreciates a Tony Blair's analysis. Obviously, you can do a complete analysis of the strategy behind the Afghan withdrawal on a cocktail napkin using one of those giant kindergarten crayons and still have plenty of room left over for illustrations. And so I appreciate Tony Blair doing that. And then, you know, calling it like he sees it. And, and again, high praise for the Biden administration thus far to simply be labeled an imbecile. Yeah, and it's certainly it's certainly fitting. Um, but maybe if we take a look at the new Afghan government, right, the government that's been recently formed, we can find solace. And maybe that's what the Biden administration has been going for. Let's get the Taliban in there. Let's get a good, solid uh, group of uh, cabinet members in there. And then let's go. Let's ride that horse, right? Let's ride to the bitter end. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, once the Taliban has everything nice and orderly there so that they can be as oppressive and medieval as they seek to be, then it'll be time for, you know, Biden with his statecraft and his obvious military strategic excellence to step back in to our new pals, the now completely in charge of Afghanistan Taliban, and, you know, see what we can do, see if we can't put something together, you know, maybe get together, sit down, talk like gentlemen. Yeah. Maybe have a cocktail, maybe a hookah. I don't know. Yeah. Or both. Yeah, exactly. And look, it's been well thought out. Unfortunately, the State Department is not happy with the new cabinet. It seems like at least four members of the new Taliban. Is it Taliban or Taliban? Taliban? Taliban. Taliban. I would go with Taliban. Taliban. The um, faster you say it, the better it sounds. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, especially on cable radio network, Brad, where we're premiering on the 18th of September. Indeed. And we'll have to talk fast because we only have an hour. We got to just, you know, we got to roll. Yeah, you're just rolling with the punches. We have advertisers. We have, there'll be popcorn. I understand there's going to be a pot pie dinner uh, at some point. 
Oh, a lot of calories in a Popeye, buddy. Larry Elder is running for governor of California in the recall election. He is the number one host on the CRN network of, uh, of, uh, of radio. And uh, I understand he invites all the new hosts over for pot pie. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, if Larry Elder asks you over for a pot pie, my friend, you go and you, you go. eat that pot pie. That's yeah. great. And then you pay for it later, but listen, we're not here to talk about that. No. So the we new cabinet, the Taliban cabinet. Yeah, exactly. The Taliban cabinet, the new cabinet has caused concern at the state department. They uh, quote, they are concerned by the affiliations and track records end quote of some of the members of the Taliban cabinet. Now, I, 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 maybe they're concerned. Do you think they're really surprised? Um, four of the members of the cabinet were uh, members that were released from Gitmo when they did that deal for that traitor who they got back, Bergdorf. Um, so four of them um, came from there. And then another one is uh, one of the FBI's most wanted terrorists where they have like a $10 million bounty on his uh, head. Uh, yeah. uh, he's the interior minister. Oh, of course. Um, so, I, it, but I mean, do you, do you really think the administration is surprised? And, and, and do you also really think that this harshly worded statement of concern is going to be enough to push them over the edge and maybe get rid of a couple of these really bad guys. Buddy, I, 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 it's almost hard to imagine that our State Department is in such a condition that we look like such total jackasses in front of the whole rest of the world. I mean, one, we caused this situation, right? This was entirely up to us, and we racked our shotgun, pointed at our foot, and just blew it off, right? That was all us. And then can you imagine having to be the guy? Maybe, you know what? God bless him. Maybe he doesn't see anything wrong. But can you imagine being the guy at the State Department that has to step to the podium and make statements like that? Like take a stern position about the fact that a most wanted terrorist is now the interior minister in Afghanistan solely because of the actions of the same government that is now taking that stern position. I mean, it's just ludicrous. And the fact that anybody can do it with a straight face deserves at least a tip of the cap. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, it, it seems like you need that um, uh, almost disingenuous nature to be a um, talking head for this, uh, this administration. It's too bad. Um, but look, the, uh, the, the, it, it could be that we are getting closer and closer to real change in Afghanistan. Oh, we're going to get real change, my friend. The question is, are we going to be able to survive it? Now, the State Department did say we have made clear that uh, we have the expectation that the Afghan people deserve an inclusive government. Yeah, we're, we just sound like such idiots. Okay, I mean, and, and you know what? And I, I, I also tip my cap to the Taliban government. They have seized control and they are now doing everything they can to rub our faces in it. And in sort of an odd way, I admire that. I mean, we have we have bent over for them so far and they are just happy to ram it home. Oh, yeah. 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 And then and then, of course, now this is a woke administration, correct? It certainly seems to be. So the State Department also questioned the lack of female cabinet members appointed by the Taliban and no LGBTQ or trans presence in the ministry. Is there, is there anyone in our State Department that is paying any attention to reality? <laughs> is there anyone? Is there anyone there? I would like 
for anyone listening to this program who either works at the State Department, very unlikely, or happens to know someone who works at the State Department, perhaps a little more likely, to have someone communicate with us and say, yes, I am paying attention and I am embarrassed. I mean, if it, how anyone can look at the Taliban with, and the Taliban is, again, they're very open and honest about what they believe and say, well, geez, guys, you didn't put any women or, or you know, LGBTQ plus personnel on your cabinet. We, we, we simply cannot have that. I, I, it, it boggles the mind. Yeah, it's definitely not good. But listen, maybe this is the type of thing that um, is going to create uh, change, right, with the Taliban. Maybe they'll say, look, we need to get a trans person. We need to get an LGBTQ person. We need to get a, a bunch of women into these cabinet ministries so that we can be more inclusive. And then yeah, maybe John Kerry will come out there for an event. Uh, uh, Bernie, I, I don't know, AOC, I, I'm not sure. Well, let's send AOC over there and ask them to put her on the cabinet. But she'd be great. She'd be great. Yeah. Well, Brad, you know what? Newsreel has now come to an end. Your quarter has run out and the slide is slammed down in front of you. Uh, next, Brad, we've got the woke uh, minute, or woke report, as some people ah, say in uh, Sarasota. This week, we're going to get to a matter that you and I love to talk about. Love to talk about. And, and look, we've been told in the past that you and I shouldn't talk about abortion, correct? Because we're men. Yeah, right. We shouldn't be mansplaining any of that. And yeah, and, and, and basically abortion should be between a woman and her doctor. And uh, only women can really appreciate um, uh, the decisions that go into whether or not to have an abortion. And we shouldn't talk about it. But now, now the Supreme Court's ruled... Um, on a new abortion case, a Texas law that uh, would uh, allow private citizens to sue in cases of um, uh, abortion after six weeks. And uh, um, the Supreme Court has basically let the law stand for now, although it's unclear exactly what will happen uh, when the case is actually adjudicated on the merits. But um, I am I am told that uh, there are a lot of people aghast at this bill, not only for what it would do to women and what it would require women to do, but also what it would require um, men and uh, uh, other individuals, um, different sexual designations, um, who also would be negatively impacted by a limitation on a right to abort after six weeks. So I think we're now in the clear to talk a little more about this. Well, I, I mean, I guess so. I'm still not sure how, you know, men are going to be impacted by an abortion law one way or the other. And, and obviously this is a very sensitive subject in our country because people equate, uh, you know, abortion with the, the much broader category of, of women's rights and the even more broad category of, you know, sort of civil or human rights in general. And so, you know, you, it, it, it's amazing to me that anytime this topic comes up, how almost instantly no one wants to address the actual facts of, for starters, the, the, the law of the case, right, which matters, right? I mean, exactly what the Supreme Court is ruling on matters, or perhaps a little more broadly, no one wants to, you know, sort of talk about the actual impact of that case or the issues that we should be discussing as a country 
how these decisions reflect upon us as a culture, whether or not we like that or don't like that and how we want to change. Immediately, people go to the polls, right? And, and I don't mean the P-O-L-L-S. I mean the P-O-L-E-S, right? We, you're either all the way over here where you're screaming about baby murdering or you're all the way over here where you're screaming about, you know, you hate women. If you voted for this thing, you obviously are a misogynistic goon and hate women. And that, frankly, has become the problem in our country, right? We cannot sit down and say, okay, what, what does this decision mean? What are the real world impacts of it? Are we happy with that as a culture? Are we not happy with it? Why or why not? We can't have those conversations, right? We just have to scream at each other that no matter which side you're on, you're a, you're a moron and a lunatic and a goon, and you don't care about either babies or women. And frankly, for the vast majority of Americans would choose not to see women put in compromising situations. For some reason, we can't sit in that middle space that covers the vast majority of the, of the actual real world happenstances. We can't sit there and talk about it. We got to go running for opposite ends of the field and then pull out bullhorns and yell at each other like this. Hey, you down there at the other end of the field, you're an idiot. I hate you. See, that's not helpful, buddy. It's not helpful. That's a nice bullhorn, though. Well, it cost me a couple of bucks. I mean, when, I, when you get a bullhorn, my friend, you want to get a good one because no one likes crappy bullhorns. But I, yeah, I just, I, I can't. The problem with this whole topic is you can't discuss it. Yeah. If you're not going to scream about it, you're not allowed to talk about it. And you and I are not screamers. It's just the way it is. It was it now bullhorn, that battle of uh, the, the bullhorn. That little was a bullhorn. Big, yeah. Yeah, that was a big battle, the one with the bulls. Yeah, the battle the of the little bullhorn. Uh, was a uh, was a key battle, I believe, in uh, either the Revolutionary War or the uh, War of Spanish Conquest. I, I yeah. did those two. One of the two. Yeah. One of the, the Falkland Island Wars. Some, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your favorite New York rep, uh, AOC, who I believe graduated uh, with a degree in uh, theater from the uh, Boston University of Boston, um, came out this week hard at the Texas law attacked the Texas governor and basically said that he, he, he has never been able to understand the fate of menstruating persons. Um, uh, and uh, so it seems like that is an interchangeable term for women. I mean, that's the first thing you would, you would say as well. He's trying to uh, be woke, but then she, she says that, and I quote, uh, if you're two weeks late on your period for any woman or any person with a menstrual cycle, um, that can happen if you're stressed. Uh, so if your diet changes, and I'm quoting here, for really no reason at all. So you don't have six weeks to take action, end quote. And so, Brad, I, let me ask you this. Have you ever like um, had dietary uh, issues change your menstrual cycle or uh, were you ever stressed and did you not get your period for an amount? I mean, did, did this happen to you is what I'm trying to say. No, no, it's never happened to me. My menstrual cycle is spot on all the time. It never changes. It, uh, the, it's if like there's one thing I can say about it, it's incredibly consistent. I have very little, few, little concern about it. I almost never think about it. And so I guess I'm just fortunate that way. And I look for it. I hope I live long enough. I don't know if, if I will. You're a couple of years younger than I am. Maybe you will. I look forward to the day when people look back at these just caricatures of a clown like AOC, who for some reason, I mean, we, we have to use words to communicate. That's the way we do it. 
And we have designated a word for people who menstruate. That word is woman. And yet we can't use that word anymore for some weird reason, right? Even though everybody knows what you mean when you say a woman, you can't use that word anymore. And so we have to come up with another word or, or set of words that is just ridiculous as menstruating person. Who exactly are you, you know, harming or making feel awkward or embarrassing by the use of the term woman? Is it, is it a trans woman? Because we have a term for trans women. We call them trans women. So I, I guess I just like the whole, the, the layers of depth to the wokeness is escaping me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty deep. Uh, and it, it, it's, 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 you just keep going and going and you don't, you don't get anywhere. Are there be Help me out here, buddy. Cause I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm no gynecologist. Are there people who are not women who menstruate? Is that, a, is that possible? I think you heard AOC's position on this, Brad. There are menstruating persons who are adversely impacted by this uh, bill. But, but is there some, is there a menstruating person who is not also a woman? Uh, you, you're you saying you did a Venn diagram. Of, yes, ah, exactly. Yeah. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll see you next week and I'll get you that Coke. So if you were to do those Venn, that Venn diagram, would there be any non-overlapping space between the circles that are a menstruating person and a woman? You're asking me. I am asking you. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't do the Venn diagram. You wouldn't. Why not? You're not a Venn diagram guy. Is that not woke? Wouldn't take the time. Oh, seems right. like a That's waste fair. of time. That does. Well, it does seem like a waste of time. I was just curious. Uh, but uh, I do believe that uh, they, they would say that there's potentially some gray area there that would not be covered by both circles. I don't think you can say that. I don't think you can say gray area. I mean, there are great people out there that'll take offense to that. Uh, yeah, well, that's, I mean, look, that's probably the case, but, uh, at the end of the day, um, you have got, uh, people who cannot say woman, uh, without offending, uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, and that's, that's what they're going with. And then people of color as well. Um, and so if a man wants to have an abortion, uh, after six weeks, he can't do it in the state of Texas, Brad. Or almost any other state, I would think, you know, a man wanting to undergo that surgery probably runs into a few roadblocks almost anywhere, I would think. Well, I think in California, you can pretty much go up to the day of uh, birth and, and, and have an abortion. Yeah, but if you're a man and you can't, you, you know, you need some certain components for that. Ah, surgery. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. You're treading in a very dangerous area here. It seems like, Brad, you're being offensive. Well, that's not uncommon. No. Yeah, but anyway, look, I'm sure these kids will sort it out. It'll go up to the Supreme Court and uh, you'll get a nice ruling from your your favorite judge, uh, uh, Roberts. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll address all this. Maybe we'll get this uh, resolved once and uh, for all. Well, let's hope. Right? Let's hope. Let's get it figured out and we'll just press on from there. But uh, you know what I would really like is, is for the us to be able to go back to the day where you could have a conversation. Maybe try to you know, use your words to influence someone else's opinion, maybe let their words influence yours, and maybe both of you come out better for it. That, that would be good. We just don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, that's exactly, yeah, exactly right. But uh, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll get there by hook or by crook. Uh, okay, well, let's, uh, Brad, let's, let's segue over from uh, the most hot button topic of our lifetime, abortion, to the management minute. 
Ah, seems like a good segue. Good. So we have got uh, Management Corner here. Management Corner brought to you by our good friends at uh, uh, IPedia. Brad, IPedia is the number one uh, technology platform for anyone looking to do any type of diagnostic work related to intellectual property. Uh, and also will help match you with your potential soulmate. Both of which are critical for most people in this country. Yeah, you just send a couple of photos in there, preferably an 8 by 10 glossy. And, uh, um, you know, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Again, no promises, but we'll certainly see what we can do. No promises, no regrets. That should be a song. Uh, here it is, Management Corner. This is an anonymous question that came in from what appears to be the Far East. Um, uh, David, uh, Brad, as managers of a large number of employees, how are you handling your employees now that they're back in the office? Uh, what is your position on uh, COVID passports and requiring vaccines? And also, uh, what do you do in terms of hairnets and gloves at uh, work? So, Brad, do you want to take that or should I uh, dive in first? Well, go ahead and dive in, buddy. Well, Brad, I, as you know, we've uh, ventured back to the office. We are now back ensconced in our uh, in our uh, in our digs. All of our employees are there. Very exciting to um, to have everyone back together after 18 months apart, um, reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, we have done some things in the office, like cleaning surfaces multiple times a day. So for example, if you sit down at one of our lunch tables, uh, it'll be cleaned uh, before you leave that day. Which is spectacular. Yeah, it's a good track record. I, I yeah. agree. Um, we're no longer doing hot buffets in the office. We've stopped all that. Uh, we've stopped anyone who wants to have an open face sandwich can no longer come into the office and they have to quarantine for uh, 48 hours. Is that correct? No, that's right. If you don't, yeah. I mean, you got to put a lid on that sandwich. I mean, have some common sense, right? I mean, everyone knows when COVID looks at an open face sandwich, it just, you know, I mean, the bell rings for it, right? It's heading right for that thing and, and yeah, you can't really see it. It's tiny. And and so then you eat your side. Yeah. I mean, you, you need the double bread approach. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope these tips have helped people. I mean, we have also updated the first aid kits in the, uh, in the, uh, the old office we've got rid. I, I think Brad, at one point we had what 2,500 square feet and we had six bubblers in the office. We got rid of those. Those are, those are history. Yeah, no, you, you know, you and I have uh, in dealing with our co-executives, you know, we, we certainly wanted to get away from the bottled water, maybe just run a hose into the office and let people drink from that. And of course, you can wipe down the metal tip of the hose after everyone takes a drink. That makes it very sanitary. And I think that's yeah. probably what we'll do. It's very cool. It's refreshing. And if you drink out of a lead hose, sometimes it's got a, uh, a tinny aftertaste. Yeah, but that just adds to the excitement. Oh, it does. And, and the good times. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is it. Hopefully y'all can follow some of these rules as you head back to the office. Um, we are uh, excited to be back and uh, we think we've got a good set of parameters in place that are going to help people out. Yeah. I mean, the jockstrap rule is going to be a little confining, you know, at least initially to get used to, but safety first. Yeah. And the, and the group games of Twister on Friday, Brad, I think, you know, I hate to tell you, I think they're out. Well, uh, you know, we'll do them on Thursdays. Yeah, that, that again is fine. Uh, Brad, uh, next we've got the RIP report, usually the low point of an episode of IP Frequently. This is where we visit with someone who is not uh, 
around anymore, but has had an indelible impact on our collective life. Correct. And this can get sad again to those of you who are new, who haven't listened to all 99 episodes. I think right of the first episode, um, one of the people that we were um, talking about was the Mata Hari. The Mata Hari. I think she died think during we did the first talk about yeah. the Mata Hari. Yep. I, I remember that. We also used to do the, the uh, Mount Rushmore of IP. Yeah, that was a different show. I think that was a yeah. different show. And I'm pretty sure you had a different uh, co-host on that one, Brad. I can't take any responsibility for that. But the Matahari episode was ours. And let me just say for the record, again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but striking, a striking woman, the Matahari. Correct. And misunderstood. And also hung, I believe. I didn't know that. That's disturbing. Either It was either that or firing squad, something like that. Oh, oh, that's what you meant by hung. Okay, yes, yeah. I think that might be true. Yeah, I was talking about hung, like, uh, although, you know what? You can't, you can't, as we know from uh, the whole Roe v. Wade discussion, Brad, you cannot make any assumptions and you can't leap to conclusions. Nor should you. Correct. Well, this week, Brad, uh, leaving us is America's weatherman, Willard Scott from the Today Show. What's your fondest memory of Willard? Well, I loved the Willard Scott, you know, he was obviously famous for, you know, recognizing people who had made it to be over a hundred years old. And so I'm, I'm going to miss that segment. Yeah. Well, he hasn't done it for like what a, a while, right? Uh, yeah. When did he retire? He retired a while ago. He retired many years ago. I mean, Al Roker took over for him. Right. And he doesn't do that segment. He did. Roker doesn't, is well known. He's on the record for having said he hates people who live to be a hundred, and so that was the first thing he took out of the uh, of the whole weather segment. There, I understand he personally smothered a number of people who were in nursing homes who were about to be a hundred. Yeah, just because he, uh, I don't know why, and I'm certainly not judging it. As you and I just said, you can't leap to conclusions; it's not your responsibility. But Al, for all of his positive traits, does not like folks to make it to one hundred which is why you and I have got to be looking over our shoulder all this week. Cause we're about to get to episode 100 and you know, Roker could go into full ninja mode on us at almost any moment. Uh, next Brad COVID corner. This is where you and I slink into the land of COVID uh, and talk recently. We've been talking about the Delta variant. Now there's the new moo MU variant. Um, mm. Any experience with that yet? No, none. No, none. Well, uh, so we've been talking more and more about vaccines lately. The government has required that all federal workers and contractors must be vaccinated. No testing um, alternate for them. They, they have to be vaccinated or they'll be shown the door. Um, private airlines and, and uh, businesses, including United Airlines, um, have, have basically said you have to be vaccinated to work here and you can have unpaid leave if you're not. And now President Biden has come out with this expansive new program where he said any employers with 100 or more employees will have to require their employers to employees rather to be vaccinated or uh, pay for weekly COVID testing for those employees. I mean, just an incredible um, executive order coming out of the White House um, that's going to cover you know almost 100 million workers across this uh uh, this country. And, and, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, punitive measures in bills and fines and uh, 
whatnot. But in this case, there's a $14,000 penalty per infraction, whether it be someone doesn't get vaccinated that was supposed to, or someone doesn't hit one of the weekly testing benchmarks, uh, $14,000 per infraction. Now, this doesn't affect our business because we're not at uh, quite 100 employees, but we're close. Um, It seems to me a couple things. One, this is a a very expansive uh, uh, regulation that would seem to require some congressional approval before it was enacted. Uh, And then two, this is imposing a huge tax on employers to one, administer all these tests, pay for all these tests. Um, It also includes giving people leave to get tested for COVID or if they think that they're um, uh, somehow exposed to COVID while they quarantine and giving them paid leave. Um, But also just the the, uh, amount of administrative cost overall is is staggering. Um, What do you uh, think about this? Well, but let, let's just so we can sort of home in on what you have said. Let's set aside sort of the foundational question, which is: Is COVID worth it? Right? Like, is the actual disease caused by this particular virus worthy of all of this stuff? Right? Or, or does it fall into the category of being close enough to diseases that we have lived with since the dawn of mankind? That we just sort of adapt to and move on, right? So let's let's not have that discussion. That's a much broader discussion. But obviously, all of this makes no sense at all unless COVID is very, very dangerous, far more dangerous than any other diseases for which we don't require any of this. So more dangerous than the flu, more dangerous than AIDS, more dangerous than polio, more dangerous than yellow fever, more dangerous than you know any other communicable disease that humans acquire because we don't require any of this for any of those diseases, right? No employer, to my knowledge, you know, maybe outside of, you know, certain categories within the military or, you know, special missions units within the government that, you know, inoculate their folks against all sorts of things, right? The average employer has 101 people working for him, you know, for instance, in, you know, a warehouse never questions any of their employees about any of their health status or vaccination status, right? So you have to have made the decision that COVID somehow rises above all other communicable diseases and is worth this effort, right? So let's, for the sake of the argument, let's just set that aside and let's look at what's going on here. First of all, I find it, I wonder about the folks who thought that the previous administration had sort of an you know, imperial aspect to it, right? I mean, you recall under the previous administration of Donald Trump that folks would accuse him all the time of acting like he was a king or an emperor, or, you know, just having this very high-handed approach. And I wonder what those folks think of this, right? Because nothing in any previous administration has ever come close to the president dictating to all businesses, 100 people or more, within the country, how they must behave to include, as you pointed out, a significant tax in order to comply with this dictatorial statement, because that's that's what it is, right? I mean, it's an executive order. That's just a nice way of saying it's a dictation, right? You, you have made a dictatorial edict that people must follow, right? So he's done that, and it applies to all businesses with 100 folks or more, who are either going to have to pay to manage knowing whether or not their folks have been 
vaccinated against COVID-19. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure how you do that, or you're going to have to test them all. I'm not exactly sure how you do that. And not only are you required to do that, but there are punishments for not doing it. Significant material financial punishments. I mean, if you have a business of 100 people, a $14,000 ding every time you screw up what is essentially an administrative issue. And listen, as you say, we're not there. We have plenty of administrative screw-ups. Even in a business, I like to think we run pretty well. If we had to pay $14,000 every time that happened, we wouldn't be in business very long. And so I'd sort of be interested in hearing from someone who thought the previous administration had a high-handed approach, what they think of this. Well, Brad, most of those people are busy uh, talking about men who menstruate at this point. Uh, so they're simply not available. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But maybe they'll wrap that conversation up at some point and then can turn their attention to the fact that we now have an administration. And frankly, I don't blame the person whose mama named him Joe Biden, right? Because I think that guy, I think the cheese has slid off his cracker. I'm not sure he knows what's going on at any given point. I think he's signing things that are put in front of him. But out of that White House are now coming some amazing you know, imperial edicts that the American people are being just told to fall in line and march to that drum. And it'll be interesting to see what the upshot of that means. Set aside the COVID, set aside, you know, health issues within the businesses, set aside all that. It'll be interesting to see how people respond to the White House just repeatedly saying thou shalt and expecting people to fall in line. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what this does to, the relationships with business, um, and, you know, obviously business is the backbone of this country. And I'm not talking about Amazon or that creepy uh, Google or any of that stuff, but, uh, you know, small businesses are where most of the employees sit and, you know, a, a business with one, two, 300 employees is a small business. And, uh, and, and you are, as you said, putting huge restrictions on what that business can and can't do, creating an, administ- an administrative state within each business, which I don't think is very, very healthy as a society. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, whether or not this withstands scrutiny is anyone's guess, I mean, who knows. But uh, again, it seems like a lot of overreach. It seems like an administration that is pissing off a lot of people very, uh, very quickly. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that. And Brad, you and I will, uh, after this, get right in line with our, uh, our uh, vaccine passports and then uh, get the uh, booster shots. Well, yeah, I mean, at this point, the upside is if you were left for dead in Afghanistan by this current government, you don't have to comply with the vaccine or you can't work business mandate. So there's a yeah, there's a silver lining to every cloud. And as you say, we'll see how it plays out. And, you know, there's this is this is, you know, frankly, going to open up some business opportunities because every business that has 100 or more employees is going to have to go out and hire the covid police. I mean, somebody in that business, if you have 100 people and you have to make sure that they're either vaccinated or they get tested on a weekly basis, that's a full-time job. So now you're going to start to see resumes coming in for the COVID police. And they'll, you know, I imagine they'll have a badge, maybe a big hat like a North Korean, and they can march around the office and demand to see people's papers or they'll be fired. Like Bobby Brady from the Brady Bunch, the time you get the hall pass, hall monitor uniform. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barter Band this week, Brad, we are uh, bringing you a Barter Band brought to you by the Good 
folks at uh, IPedia, IPedia, the automation of innovation, handling all of your hot tub needs since 2019. Uh, trade with the state of Texas is being barred and banned by the good folks in Portland, Oregon. The mayor of Portland, Oregon, who the last time we saw him was being just screamed at by uh, uh, Antifa uh, thugs, um, has has come out and said that uh, because of the abortion bill passed uh, by the legislature in Texas, um, the, uh, the, the uh, city of Portland, Oregon, will ban or bar uh, all trade and travel to the state of Texas. Uh, what say you, Brett? Does it seem a little bit harsh and does it seem like it's something that may not be enforceable? Well, yeah, probably uh, a touch of both. Also completely out of touch with reality, but that's not a, you know, an unusual event for the good folks in the Portland city government. And, you know, I expect that Texas will probably spend, oh, I would guess, you know, somewhere between a hundredth and a tenth of a second contemplating the materiality of that before just shrugging their shoulders and moving on. That would be my guess. Well, listen, listen, uh, we have now put uh, episode 99 in the books, 99 lift balloons. And uh, the next time everyone hears us, Brad, we will be coming out of the huge radio frequency known as cable radio network. But I'm looking forward to it, knowing I'd rather do it with. And certainly that includes our studio audience. And we will see all of you here next week, not only in podcast world, but on the cable radio network on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.